KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. Many of us are turning to baking as a coping mechanism during this pandemic. And of course, if we're baking things, we are eating things, probably in some cases, a lot of things that we wouldn't normally be eating, which means we're probably consuming more sugar and calories than we'd like to. So we wanted to find out how we could make our baked goods a little healthier. I gave Kathleen Zellman a call. She's a registered dietitian and a nutrition director for WebMD magazine. If you look at the, the the shelves in the grocery store, there's no flour left. <laughs> We're all a lot of people are obviously binge baking during this pandemic. And of course, once we bake it, we eat it. And so I really wanted to talk to you about what we can do to at least make things healthier for us if that's possible. So if we could start by talking about empty calories. A lot of us, I mean, this is what I think of as empty calories. And is that is that true? Basically, when we're talking about cookies and cakes and brownies and stuff like that. Well, first of all, I think that the reason why the flour and the yeast is just flying off the shelves is because there's something so comforting about being at home, smelling fresh baked bread or chocolate chip cookies in the oven. It, there's a real comfort factor there. And typically, who has time to bake bread? You know, right. you have to let it rise. And so we're at home, and it's just perfect to um, to try to get into doing something maybe a little different that you might challenge yourself. Is there anything wrong with baking bread? Absolutely not, because you can make it better. You can make it with whole grain flour. You can make it a little bit more nutritious. Um, but I just love that people are posting all these beautiful pictures on Instagram and Facebook and and showing their, you know, they're, they're so proud of the fact that maybe this is the first time they ever baked bread. And I love that families are doing it together because nothing could be better than getting your kids in the kitchen and getting them involved, getting them excited about cooking and becoming more comfortable there. So there's all kinds of positive aspects of it. Now, granted, if you are just chowing down on chocolate chip cookies and stress eating, no, of course it's not good, and you're going to find yourself gaining weight unless you're really exercising a lot to counter these empty calories because most sweets provide a little bit, little more than extra calories. Now, it doesn't go the same with bread, um, but... You know, if you're talking brownies and cookies and cakes, yeah, that's pretty much (laughs) in the splurge category and the extras. And there's nothing wrong with it as long as you can control it and and just have one or one small slice and and try to keep the rest of your diet a little bit more um, nutritious. I I always say try to be a B student. 80% of the time, do the right thing, but that gives you that 20% of the time to do your splurging. So why... Do we stress eat? Why in times, I mean, this is, most of us can't even think of a time that's more stressful than than right now, this current pandemic. What is it that makes us crave, not just the the smells of it, because of course, who doesn't want to walk into a kitchen and smell freshly baked chocolate chip cookies or bread? 
But what triggers what what's being triggered in us that we gravitate toward that or we might eat more than we normally do? Well, it's considered a comfort food. And so just think back to when you were a little girl and, you know, you you scraped your knee. You know, what did your mom do to help make you feel better? There's just something about wrapping yourself in a blanket of love and support. And food often fulfills that role. It shouldn't uh, necessarily because it can really end up, you know, um, packing on the pounds. But it's the comfort. It's the the fact that, you know, we we love sweets and salt and, you know, some people crave chips and some people crave cookies. And, you know, the cravings, the good, the good thing about cravings is that if you can get past them, they usually only last for a couple of minutes. So if you can try to resist the craving... So let's say, oh, my gosh, I want another one of those chocolate chip cookies. What could you have instead that might satisfy you? It might be nothing. You might just have to have that chocolate chip cookie. And better to have one than binge on the whole container. Um, Sometimes people who love chocolate, they find those little kind of Halloween size, little snack size. If they allow themselves to have one, the craving is satisfied and they can move on. So small portions will help, but sometimes just drinking water, making sure that you've had enough protein in your diet so that you're not hungry, that you're actually asking your belly, is this about hunger or is this this in my head just because I want it? Distract yourself. Go outside. Go, you know, take a bubble bath. um, Read a book. Try to find something that helps you get over the urge because typically you can, if you can distract yourself and get through those, you know, 10 minutes, you're going to be well on your way to resisting it. And then you also want to stock up on healthy food that satisfy cravings. So if, if sweets are your cravings, how about, you know, freeze some grapes or blueberries or some frozen yogurt or, you know, how about cut up an apple? I mean, sometimes just crunching into a, a delicious apple really will satisfy that craving. If you crave salt, maybe, you know, peanut butter. Put peanut butter on that apple or... Um, Just try to find some other more nutritious options that allow you to um, satisfy your craving if you haven't resisted it and, you know, move on without really sabotaging your diet. Yeah, that's a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. It's not easy when you're stuck in the house, too. Well, I have to come to work and I'm very grateful for that because I am quite sure that if I were stuck in the house that I would be having trouble with this because I, I think, you know, there's the boredom. Um, right. I know for me, my weak zone is when I come home from work and I'm really hungry and I'm really tired. And I think my body just craves that energy shot that sugar yeah. might give you. Well, but you know what you should do in that case is try to anticipate it. So maybe like late afternoon, plan a snack for yourself. Have a handful of nuts so that you're not starving when you hit the house. And oftentimes when you when you have the feelings you're describing, the things that satisfy you are not, you know, vegetables. Um, you're not you're not craving broccoli. <laughs> oh, um, I wish know, I you... craved broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you want to like try to anticipate that you know you're going to be feeling that way. So maybe you know late in the afternoon have a yogurt and some fruit, or have that handful of nuts so that you're more in control when you hit the door. 
So my daughter, this um, she loves to bake. She's a teenager, and she loves her chocolate. She's very active, but she gets to the point where it's been kind of funny. She's been asking me, you know, she's she said, I've, I've had too much sugar today. I'm going to eat extra vegetables to make myself feel better. Is there well, some truth in that? For her. <laughs> well, extra vegetables for her. <laughs> it's not like overboard. Let me be honest here. But is that is that really a way to counterbalance if we do kind of go sure. overboard on sugar? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, you should be so proud of her that she recognizes, I had too much sugar today. Because what can happen when you have a lot of sugar is it can send your blood sugar soaring and then crashing, you know, afterwards. So you don't feel great. But if you blunt it by eating, you know, like let's say you have a glass of milk with that cookie or that you have other foods or you add in, you know, like you you add in oatmeal or nuts or fruit into your sweets, it will help reduce that surge in blood sugar in that fall. And eating vegetables, there's no such thing as too much. So go for it and, and make those vegetables really accessible. So for kids who are not like your daughter, you know, maybe you should have cut up um, vegetables. I mean, I love cut up red peppers and carrots. And, you know, sometimes when you dip it into something, it tastes a little bit better. Have those kinds of things there so that you you might reach for something more nutritious than something laden with sugar and fat and calories. So I want to get to um, substitutes that, that you can make and add-ins that we can, you know, put into our baked goods and make them a little healthier. But, but I, on a serious note, Obesity is one of the biggest risk risk factors for becoming critically ill with COVID. Why does body fat make it so much harder for us to fight off disease? Yeah, well, I mean, in this case, in the United States, roughly 42% of our adults have a BMI or body mass index above 30, which which defines obesity. And probably 9% are severely obese with a BMI over 40. So, And that's according to CDC. So people with obesity have other high-risk health conditions. So they typically are uh, hypertensive, have high blood pressure, have diabetes. Um, And also in terms of how we're seeing this risk play out in COVID-19 is that obese people usually have lower oxygen levels. They, They tend to be predisposed to pulmonary dysfunction. They might have decreased chest function because of the weight on their chest. They may have sleep apnea. So they have pulmonary risk already. So the combination of the pulmonary risk, the high blood pressure, the diabetes, there could be cardiovascular disease. When you add, when you are obese, it's not about how you look. It's really about what that extra fat on your body um, increases your risks for, and it increases it for very serious chronic diseases. So... You know, there's nothing more important than try to get that getting those BMIs down into the normal range. Um, it's been a really remarkable and very sad outcome with COVID that it's the younger people, you know, under the age of 60 that are having the most serious complications um, in if they're obese. Yeah, that is one thing. I, I, I do have those thoughts in the back of my head sometimes. <laughs> When I'm craving something because you just don't want to end up going there Um, because it's hard to come back once you once you start to pack on the pounds. So it is. And and the older you get, the harder it is. So, 
you know, we need to look at this time as, you know, a wonderful opportunity to be in the kitchen and be with our families and, and doing, you know, moms and dads who are doing at-home schooling. You know, cooking actually helps you in terms of math and science and following instructions. So there's education there, but also getting outside and exercising. I live in Atlanta, and the weather has just been glorious this this entire lockdown period. So for us, it's just so wonderful to see all these families outside together and, and riding bikes and playing tennis with one another. And so I say, you know, like hopefully across the country, weather's improving. Get outside, try to exercise, and take the take the opportunity to get in more exercise than what you normally do and really try to be um, smart about your food selection so you don't find yourself pecking on those pounds or that you, if you are overweight, well, here's a wonderful motivation for you to get it all in line and get that BMI down. So if you like to bake and, you know, you're thinking you want to make your recipe healthier, what's what's the biggest offender? Would it be sugar, fats, or carbs? What should you focus on? Or oh, all the above. I know you're going to say oh, all well, the above. Sugar or carbs. Sugar or carbs. <laughs> right. So, let, so but, let's just yeah. talk about healthier substitutes. When it comes to baking, you can't just say, oh, I'll just put in whole wheat flour and I'll just pull out the sugar. And, you know, you, you have to be careful because, well, let's start with sugar because sugar actually has a role. So sugar... Um, tenderizes flour, it creates the browning, it helps with rising, so you just can't eliminate sugar in a recipe. Can you reduce it? Absolutely. But it's sort of experimental, so unless you want to, you know, go online in search of, you know, lower sugar recipes where somebody else has already done the experimenting, I would say try not to replace more than 25 to 30% or a quarter or a third of the sugar in the recipe because otherwise you're going to get something that doesn't rise or it's going to be hard. It's not going to taste as good. So sugar does more than just sweeten. You know, it, it adds to taste and to texture. Um, is it better to replace table sugar or sucrose with agave or maple syrup or honey? They're all the same. So I say don't don't try to don't try to use those as replacements. Instead. You know, maybe pull out, you know, a little bit of the sugar and and replace it with something, some fruit, like a fruit puree or a mashed banana or, um, you know, baby jars. Baby fruit, you know, which is nothing but um, fruit in a jar, is often used successfully. Now, when it comes to fat, the good news is that that tends to be easier to do and um, more effective. So that you can pull out, so for example, if you're making brownies and it calls for a half a cup of oil, you can replace that half a cup of oil with pureed beans, strangely enough, but yes, yes it works. Um, uh, yogurt, Greek yogurt, I've put Greek yogurt in. I've used avocado. I've used pumpkin puree, unsweetened applesauce, mashed bananas, pureed prunes, Um with something like a brownie, it really seems to work really well, and it's only a small portion. It's only a half a cup. So um, for fat, you can really get away with um, using some healthier substitutes. Now, if it's not brownies, I would say be cautious and maybe do only half of the fat in a recipe 
as a substitute with a fruit or a vegetable. But you should be, it's a lot easier to replace the fat in terms of its functionality and how the product comes out than it is to do the sugar. I mean, I can understand the avocado because we know avocados have, you know, the good fats. But beans, how can, how can, how how does Um, that function? Uh, What? I have no idea, but it works. (laughs) It works. I mean, I was equally as skeptical, but I tried it, and, I mean, it's amazing. Um, So that it just adds, I think there's something that helps tenderize it. But now, when we're not talking about baked goods, like if if you have a recipe and it's some kind of a salad um, or, you know, a mixed dish that's not baked. So if you're not baking and we're talking about fat and sugar, you have great leverage. It's really about taste. Um, so, you know, like the sugar, for example, is not involved in the browning and the tenderizing. It's really about adding sweetness. So you can try to reduce that threshold and make it less sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, if fat, you know, like it calls for a half a cup of olive oil and there's some, you know, like a pasta dish of some sort, yeah, use less. But can you put in that pasta dish those pureed beans? I'm not so sure. depends yeah. on what the rest of the ingredients are. So when it comes to... Um, things that you mix up and, and recipes that are not baked, there's a lot of leverage and a lot of experimenting. So, you know, look at a recipe kind of as a outline and be flexible and see where you can make some changes. You know, like, for example, making chili. You know, you can use less meat. You can put in more beans. You can put in more vegetables. I mean, you can play around with that kind of stuff. You can use less fat. So, so if we um, do that, then if we make our meals healthier, maybe there's a little more room for the chocolate chip cookie. There you go. There you go. And also, I wanted to talk a little bit about flour um, because that's another place in baked goods where you can you can do some modification. Now, you can't do one for one a cup of whole wheat flour to regular flour. Um, is there any problem using regular flour? Of course not. But when you use more nutritious um, grains like whole, you use a whole grain or a whole wheat flour, you're going to get more fiber and you're going to get more nutrients. So like if you want to replace oats, you know, for, um, for the flour in a recipe, you want to do that carefully. You probably need to grind up the oats so it's more like flour. Um, if you do whole wheat flour, it's usually you need to use for seven-eighths cup of regular flour, you use one cup whole wheat flour. Um, in some recipes, I've seen where people have taken a cup of flour and have used a cup of pureed black beans. Now, you know, it's, hmm. uh, it's, that's, again, something where if you're making brownies from scratch, that's probably a good idea. But nut flours are also options. Nut flours, you know, like an almond flour, walnut flour, they're heavy flours, so you can't substitute them equally, but you could, you know, if your recipe called for a cup of flour, you could probably use a quarter of a cup of a almond flour and three-quarters of a cup of the regular flour. You might want to add a little bit more baking soda or baking powder because of the heaviness. So, you know, there's a lot of experimenting that needs to be done if you want to take your family favorite recipes and make them healthier or go online and, you know, you can Google healthy brownies and you'll find all kinds of um, great recipes that somebody else has already done the experimenting. Well, and I should have said when I said sugar fats, carbs, 
I should have said flour because that's what I was thinking of. And I think a lot of people, they think of carbs as in like bread and stuff like, you know, stuff like that. So you can substitute the flours in these things and you have to be careful. And the funny thing is you can Google healthy brownies, but a lot of times you really have to look at the recipe because it might have more sugar in it to make it taste good because it's eliminated fat. That's true. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, be discriminating. But most recipes also have the, the nutritional analysis per serving. So check that out. But there's great sites out there, you know, Eating Well, Cooking Light, um, that, you know, provide all kinds of delicious recipes that have been tested and gone through the rigors that they have, at, you know, at these um, places. But there was one other question that um, I think I might not have answered for you. You were saying maybe how to get, how to make those cookies a little healthier. What could we put in there? So I love the idea of oats. Um, Oats, you know, really add some great fiber. It's a whole grain. So, you know, doing an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie is probably better than just one with regular flour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anytime you can put some fruit or nuts, dried fruit, fresh fruit, um, nuts, you know, that adds to the crunch. It also adds to add some protein, add some fiber. So you're, you're beefing up those, those cookies and making them um, a little bit more satisfying when you add some other ingredients like that. My favorite, one of my favorite add-ins is dried cherries in oatmeal, like a chocolate chip oatmeal dried cherry cookie. You're making me want to make those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. That's because you have dried cherry, you have oats, you have nuts, you know, and so, yeah, if you have a little bit, bit of chocolate in there, too, um, it just helps balance it a little bit better. Is there, when it comes to going back to sugar substitutes, is it okay to use the artificial sweeteners? If you do want to use these um, artificial sweeteners, there are some that are designed for baking, so make sure you use those. Like, you can't just open up a package of, you know, your favorite um, sugar substitute and use those. Use the ones that are designed for baking, and then on those... Uh, packages, they'll have instructions on how to substitute the sugar for the, let's say, stevia or whatever you're using. But one of the things that, you know, we were talking about snacking earlier. One of my favorite snacks that I think might be really good during this time is popcorn, especially if it's, you know, um, air popped or light popcorn because it's crunchy It and that crunch, you know, helps in terms of stress, like you're looking something to munch on. You can have a big bowl and only have a couple hundred calories and um, you get a lot. You get, you know, three cups for about a hundred calories. So it's a great thing to have on hand while if you want something to munch while you're watching extra TV or you're looking for something to satisfy a craving. Are all calories created equal? No, I mean, obviously, you know, um, 100 calories of of popcorn is going to be, you know, a better source because it's a whole grain than, you know, 100 calories of chocolate chip cookies. So, you know, choose your calories wisely, ones that have calories that have protein and fiber um, and healthy fats are going to be more satisfying than, you know, ones that raise your blood sugar and then have that, you know, um, rebound hypoglycemia. Uh, so try to choose calories that have protein and fiber and healthy fats. So Kathleen, what are you, what are you baking right now? You know what? Uh, <laughs> I'm resisting. Oh. I'm really resisting. But you know, I'm working and I'm busy 
and it's just me and my husband who are here, and so I haven't, um, I do want to do, I've never done uh, uh, bread, and I have a recipe, so I'm going to try it maybe this weekend. Have you found yeast? Because I can't find yeast yes, anywhere. No, I have it because I had this recipe. Um, so I had it months ago um, that I kept saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So I'm, I'm really going to hunker down and try to, I'd love to get a, a sourdough starter, but I don't mm. think that's going to happen. So I'm just going to try a loaf of bread. So um, that's my, you know, my, my next one. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon.